Welcome into another bi-week edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad back at it with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. And we're going to have a little fun with this podcast today because we're going to have our mid-season awards. And we're going to start with the offense. And gentlemen, just jumping right into it. There's a lot of different awards we can give out. But I want to start with underachiever. I think this is a fun category. Who would you say is your underachiever so far on the offense up to this point? Um, so I, I wrote this for the written content that we're going to have uh, where I expand on a little bit more, but uh, it, it, I think it has to be Joe Mixon. Um, I don't... I don't... It, it's hard because you... Somebody's got to take the blame. Like, so the, the running game not being up to snuff, somebody's got to take that blame. Um, Mixon's averaging just 3.9 yards per carry this year. Uh, if you take out his amazing performance against the Panthers, and look, maybe that performance is a turning point, but if you take out that performance against the Panthers, uh, he's at just 3.35 yards per attempt. Um, that is not that, – that's not even really backup quality in the NFL. Um, he, he made more guys miss than he had all season long against Carolina, so the, obviously it can change, but – um, you know, if, if I have to put it on one guy, obviously there's a lot that goes into this. They don't run the ball a ton. I think they kind of figured it out later as the year went on. The offensive line has not run blocked well all season long. So, But I'm going to throw it on one guy's shoulders for this exercise, and I'm going to say Joe Mixon. I disagree. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Jonah Williams. Because I think Jonah Williams you know, should have been on the uh, ascending arc of his career, where I think Mixon at some point you have to expect the projections going right. to decline. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. That's a fair point, like relative to expectations. It's, it's not unheard of that he'd be at this point. I mean, and right. we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the season, which Joe Mixon they get. But Jonah Williams, uh, some PFF numbers, second lowest pass blocker of the starters on the offensive line, 59.9. Lowest run blocker on the team overall, not just the line, overall, 49.8. Uh, he's tough. And I, I give him credit. He played through that dislocated kneecap, which sounded just completely disgusting. Um, he has played 610 snaps. He's been in every game, hasn't missed any uh, you know, time, but he's allowed the most pressures on the team, 27. Uh, that's a significant number, nine sacks, four quarterback hits, and 14 hurries. Those are not numbers you want from your left tackle, especially on the right side when Leo Collins is the kind of older guy that you know you could probably expect some up and downs because he's not practicing. Uh, where I think Jonah, I think the expectations were he'd maybe take a step higher, um, and and he's sort of, uh, I just, you know, and and Brian Callahan said after the Cleveland game, you know, that was probably his worst game of the season. I, I don't think that would be you know you know saying anything crazy um, that they were you know look they're looking for a little more. Um, he responded a bit. Yeah. Uh, was better against Carolina, especially in pass blocking. But um, I think they need to, him to be more consistent this season um, on that left side. Another good answer. I, I did like. I do like that answer, though. Yeah, I think that's fair, Mike. I, I will push back a little inside with Andrew. I'd say Joe Mixon is my underachiever, and it's not that anything he said about Jonah Williams isn't true. I actually think that is something that's very concerning. But with Mixon. It's just shocking for him to go from the high season, I mean, the best season he had of the year last year, to just getting really, I think, progressively worse and worse and worse up until, obviously, that career franchise day he had against the Panthers. And, I mean, coincidentally, or I guess not coincidentally, I mean, he 
didn't have a lot of carries up to that point. Like he was having less and less carries. But I think, that, and a lot that, of that is because I, think, I don't think they trusted him. I think him. that's reasons to discount why it's Mixon's fault. Like, look, if he only gets eight carries a game, and they go after, they go away from him after two carries. Uh, what, what can he do? Like, he can't. Is, he can't like steal the ball from Joe Burrow. Right. Like, and, and I think to his credit, you know, I think he chalks. You know, I mean, all players are not going to necessarily play themselves, but I think he's his frustration was that they went away from it too early. That like, And, and I know some of the games they've got... Yeah, you know, the beginning of the year, the first five games, they did not go away from the run, and he did not run the ball successfully. I, I don't feel like they ever exactly. committed to the point where they did like against Carolina. But they can't. Like, they can't. They especially did in the last four they games. They can't stretch. with this offense, though. The way that the offense is They can. Is they just chose not to. But is it smart to do that? When you have against healthy. Cleveland, it might have been because they didn't. I mean, yeah, I guess like, that, I mean, maybe, yeah, but like, like they, I mean, the, the results were not good. So. Yeah, like the beginning of the year, you run the ball yes, twenty-seven against times Atlanta, against Atlanta. You didn't, you didn't need to in some situations right. against Atlanta. But would it have looked the same if they had that game plan that they had against Carolina? And I don't know. I, I don't know the answer, but I think they've gone away for it. Cleveland, I think, is the most glaring example where they just sort of like sure, gave I, up. Yeah, and it was it was only eleven nothing at halftime. I yeah. mean, it wasn't a game where like Dallas, where they were down three scores yeah. or something like that, um, or where you know they turned it over five times in the first half. Sure, um, that was I think a exa- clear example of where they just said we're just not going to be able to do this. So I, I think that Joan is on on the field for every snap and has you know that action every snap. Whereas Joe Mixon is is. Uh, uh, dependent on it's Joe giving him the ball or them calling his number. So I, I, I don't think you can blame him 100%. Okay. And he's coming off his best game, so you guys are, are really harsh on him being mean. And you know what? And, and maybe when he, his moment. when he has another like 200-yard game, you can be even harder on us later. But moving on to – this is a fun one. Best supporting actor. So this is someone who is not a starter. Uh, for you, Andrew, who would you say is start. your best? I'm going to start. Yeah, yeah, right, Mike, go ahead. You seem excited. I got, go I got excited about this one. Mitchell Wilcox. Really? He was the. He was the. Uh, he was the. Good answer. He had to stand in front of the media after that opener, and it was a tough spot. After he was thrown in, the second string long snapper. Long snapper thrown in, yeah. screwed up. Admitted he screwed up on one of the high snaps. Did not have a fun, uh, fun opener, and that was a tough spot. And he answered the questions, and that's always a a, a stand up thing for an athlete to do. Handled it the right way. Uh, was in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. Then. Gets bumped up the dub chart at tight end. A couple weeks later, Drew Sample goes down. Um, and he's been, you know, uh, he's, he's received a lot of shout-outs from the coaching staff, from Joe Burrow. They're using him a lot. They're, you know, they've, they've gone to some two tight end sets with Hayden Hurst. He's the more of the blocking type tight end that they keep in line. Um, he's their highest rated, pla- uh, third highest rated pass blocker on the team this season, 76.2. Um, and, and they're doing a lot of things with him, doing a lot of different things. He's obviously caught a couple passes. I think he has six catches for 47 yards. And I just think he's an example of a guy that you, you like to see that when, you know, things were tough for him in that opener and he got to a chance to sort of have a little bit of redemption to kind of get in the lineup and get, uh, you know, um, he's doubled his amount of snaps that he has from his rookie season. He's already played over 200 snaps. Um, so I think he's done a, a nice role, for, a nice job for this offense in sort of an unglamorous role. Um, I pick Samaj P. Ryan. Um, I think he's done a, a really bang up job. You know, I was going back and watching uh, after Brian Callahan mentioned it. You know, he said that Samaj is a really good pass blocker. And whether or not you think Jonah Williams is like the most underachieving player on the team or whatever most whatever the category is that we just said underachieving um, the offensive line pass protection has not always been great this year um, and you need a guy like Samaj Piran because Joe Mixon is not a good pass blocker 
Like yeah. that is not what he's for. I, there have been multiple times this year where he's gotten beat. Um, so I, I, I like what Samaj has kind of given them just coming off the bench and giving you a, a pass protection role out of the backfield. Um, they oftentimes they'll, they'll line him up kind of like you see in like a single wing offense where like a quarterback is behind the, like in between the guard and the center, they line him up kind of in an up back formation. Um, and he pass boxes from there. He'll pass block from left or right of Joe, uh, Joe Burrow that is. Uh, you know, so I, I liked what he's given them in, in the pass blocking because they've certainly needed it. Um, you know, he he has 5.3 yards of carry this year, so they don't really rely on him a ton to run the football. But when they do, he's been effective. Um, and for a second string running back to be a really, really good pass blocker and, you know, to rattle off carries like that where you can be efficient when you get the ball. That to me is really good. So well, you're, you didn't even mention here. his performance against the Jets. In the yeah, he, quarter. In that the was fourth a quarter. He melted the game. Yeah. yeah so. Um, so that's not a bad. That was a better better pick than your first one. So good job. Yeah, I thought your pick. <laughs> I thought. See, I like Jonah Williams better than I like Mitchell Wilcox. No, well, Mitchell Wilcox because uh, uh, you know again another, a guy that wasn't expected to play. Yeah. For so sure. the expe- expectations are different. I think that they you know you know what you're going to get us, Marj, right. and he's kind of performed that role here multiple years. Mitchell thrown into a couple spots. Uh, that you know they weren't expecting to have a role this season. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, two really good arguments there. I think I'm with you on this one, Mike. I really like Mitchell Wilcox. That was a tough stage for him, obviously. You know, with just the way special teams went after he played long snapper in that Steelers game. But I mean, he's blocked well. Has had a couple catches, so he's even got a few touches, which haven't been anything flashy. But yeah, like he didn't think he'd be in this role with Drew Sample going on IR and. You know, when you already have Hayden Hurst, I mean, that's that's good for him. And obviously, Hayden Hurst gets more of the catches at, at that position. But I think he's done really well. I think if you even look specifically at the game Joe Mixon had, had some really uh, nice blocks. And I think if you even look, too, I have to go back and look. That touchdown that Joe Burrow had against the Saints, the 20-yard rush, I think he had a block somewhere in there where Joe Burrow almost got sacked but didn't because he stepped up there. So, yeah, I mean, just uh, unless I'm thinking of another play, I think it was that. I really think, like you said, the, 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 the thing that really separates him is he didn't know he'd be in this position, but he really lives up to that next man up mentality. So I like that pick, but Samaj is great, and I think it's good to have a running back who can block like him, like Brian Callahan said. So those are two good picks. This one's going to be a little fun. Uh, what would you say is the best play that you've seen on offense? And what is the worst play that you've seen on offense? Do you want to take this one because I went first and then Mike went first? Did sure. Want to go first? I'd say the worst play is in democracy. Yeah, there we go. I mean, it's is that what a democracy is? Rotating turns. Yep. Yeah, is and it voting to see who would go first. Nope. Everybody gets their share. Everybody votes. I don't understand what a democracy. That's that's good. I right, fell so, asleep in high school civics good. class. Right, so best play, worst play. What's, what you got? Well, I'd okay. say the worst play was back in that Baltimore game on fourth and goal. They tried to go for that little shuttle pass, which I think was supposed to go to Stanley Morgan. It was, correct. But, yeah, it was botched. Uh, really, that was a very poorly executed play. And the execution up to that point was bad with that little special they tried to get with Tyler Boyd, who literally just got demolished by Marcus Peters. That was some of the worst execution I'd seen up to that point. And on that specific play, just nothing looked good. They all just looked out of out of sorts. Uh, I'd say that was the worst play. I think the best play. I mean, that's that's a tough one. I I don't know. I think the best play for me uh, that I've seen from the offense up to this point is probably the touchdown Jamar Chase had with two seconds left against Pittsburgh. It was really close. It was just past the pylon. It tied the game up, and of course, you know, McPherson missed that PAT, which 
sent the game to overtime. But up to that point, I mean, Jamar saved the day. I mean, that was first game of the year against your division rival with two seconds left. That was that was that was pretty clutch. Um, so I I looked at best worst play kind of in a different lens than just the individual because I think the worst play was the the, the shovel pass down yeah. the line in Baltimore. But um, the best and worst play I kind of looked at it from a bigger you know thirty thousand foot view. So the worst play um, I think the missed PAT against the Steelers in Week One mm. yeah. really matters because. It was it, it, obviously the significance, of, the the significance point, yeah. of it was big, but like it, it, it came from a mistake that you just you're not you just can't have. Like, and I understand Mitchell Wilcox was the snapper on that, like we just talked about, and I understand you have a new you you have a new guy at the end, but it's pretty clear when you have a field goal block or, or excuse me field goal protection, you step inside, and if somebody's going to run outside you, either let the next guy get it or let him run outside because the kick's going to be gone. And they let somebody come right off the edge. Uh, he cut in between two Bengals. And I think it was Minka Fitzpatrick. It and was. He, and he blocked the PAT. And I just kind of look at that right now because this team is 5-4. and four. How much different would we feel about this team if they were 6-3? and three? I mean, Like that, how much yeah, more wow. optimistic could you be about the Bengals if they had beaten the Steelers? Because we, we talked about those losses stacking up. The Cowboys' loss doesn't look so bad. The Jets' loss doesn't look so bad right now. They beat the Jets. They, 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 or the, or the, the Jets' loss the Jets win look, looks better. Excuse doesn't me. Doesn't look bad. The Cow, the, yeah, they, like they the, yeah. The the <laughs> you you can kind of look back at the schedule and kind of point to different losses and say like ah that really gonna hurt them. But the Steelers' loss is probably the worst one. So that's where I would say the worst is the best. Um, kind of for a similar reason, um, I think Jamar Chase's touchdown against the Saints. Um, the one where he went like 60 yards. The thing about another play where Jamar, he created separation, and then Tyron Matthew had the angle on him, and he just beat him. Like, Tyron Matthew had yards on him, he had the angle on him, and Jamar just beat him down the sideline. And I remember Jamar at the time saying something along the lines of, you know, I knew, um, you know, I, I knew I could try to run past him, or I knew I could try to run over him. And he was like, I can just beat this guy to the sideline. So he runs out the sideline, um, gives the Bengals a comeback win in New Orleans. Um, they were two and three at that point. If you're two and four, um, you know, that was the game where Jamar did get banged up. So you're two and four. If you come home and beat the Falcons like you do, and then you're three and four and Jamar's out, I don't know. That to me, I said it at the time, that to me felt kind of like a season swinging moment. Um, and I know it kind of changed a little bit when Jamar went out, but again, I, I still think that moment was really, really big. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much different. I, the best play I had was Chase, well, just because the individual effort. I mean, yeah, you know, it, was the throw, it wasn't the best throw, but Joe Burrow's made uh, all season. But what Jamar did with it to, I mean, he probably should have been stopped dead when he caught it. You know, yep. the guy was right there. He breaks that tackle, and then just the race down the sideline. I mean, uh, you know. The way the his teammates talked about that too, that that's just like a next level play that you just don't make, and so and and then then the position at being a game winner uh, uh, lost that. I, I I went with the Baltimore, but I, I I still think the trick play was the worst call. That was uh, and worst play. I mean, obviously it ended up in a huge sack. Uh, I pushed them back, and so it kind of changed the whole play calling sequence. That game was thirteen to ten at that point. They were down. They scored yeah. a touchdown there. They're up. That's a sort of a, a, a even even from that higher view, like you were talking, where they win that game 
and you know you wound the Ravens yep. pretty significantly because they're going through some injury stuff uh, still, and right. so um, and I thought that set the tone for the rest of the game. And I mean that was one of the worst play calling stretches of for Zach Taylor this season. Yeah, and because I mean I don't really the the shovel the shovel pass is a play that a lot of teams like Aaron Rodgers always does that at the goal line. The Bengals have done it before, but I just think in that sequence. The worst play call is the the trick play, yeah. and then the shovel play looks worse given what you did. But if they run that shovel play on second down, it doesn't work. You don't think about it, you know, because you have two more downs, or 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 you know, you, you run it the next play. But I just think it made, that made was so much worse because of the trick play that came before. So let me ask you guys this: Let's say Evan McPherson makes that PAT, and that was good that you brought that up, Andrew, because that's funny how I mentioned that and you bring up the PAT as the worst play. What if he does make that? Then is Jamar Chase's touchdown against the Steelers better than the Saints' touchdown? Just just curious. Um, I, I think that's an interesting question. So they're one and oh so they would have gone into the Saints game at what? No, because I think it was a, the the Saints one was a better pure play. I think it was a better yeah, I think it was a better pure like it, I mean because so it's like a pure saying, play. It okay. wasn't it wasn't the better like the throw uh, Burrow had to Jamar, where like the ball basically landed on Jamar's head. Like that and was the Saints. That yeah, was the best throw against of the, the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, that was the best throw of the season. But like, sure, so okay, I, so I don't on mean Burrow's it like side, that. Okay. But like, um, in terms of if they, I, no, I still, I would still probably take the Saints because that play was genuinely unbelievable. Like how he broke a tackle, broke down the sideline, yeah. and then what it meant so well that's a good point and i just wanted your take on that so i appreciate that but um yeah that's something to look at but then you know of course depending on how the season plays out but what would you say and this could be for better or worse what is the biggest surprise that you've seen from the offense so far this season so the thing that surprises me is that they haven't found again like another thirty thousand foot view they have struggled to find who they are because if you came into this season and you looked at who the quarterbacks they were going to play like i remember we were we were kind of doing this and they just played mitch trubisky and dak prescott gets hurt sunday night football week one so you're like hey they're gonna play cooper rush and then zach wilson's hurt so they're gonna play joe flacco and then two i mean the Tua thing was obviously a whole other issue but then you're going to play Lamar, and then it's Andy Dalton, and then it's Marcus. And you kind of go down the line, and you go, Joe Burrow is the better quarterback in all these games. The Bengals are going to be in advantageous positions, and the defense put them in advantageous positions. Like we talked up about until, earlier. Yeah, up until the Cleveland game, they didn't allow a second-half touchdown. So to me, just the lack of offensive identity has really been kind of confusing because you, if you were to come into the season after watching the Bengals' playoff run, you would have said, even not even the playoff run, to the last back half of the regular season, you would have said this team knows exactly who they are. This team is going to throw the ball a ton, and they're going to be very successful at doing it. And I think that they kind of figured out who they were um, before Jamar got hurt. Um, but just the the level of offense, not ineptitude, because it wasn't like they were going out there and hanging sixes, but like... This the level, the lack of rhythm and the lack of identity has really surprised me. Because even now, without Jamar Chase, like we're still saying, okay, what is this offense? Like, what can this offense be? And when you get Jamar back, you have to integrate him. But so, so that's kind of where I stand. The, the identity is is the biggest thing. Yeah, mine's kind of an extension of that. I, I would say it's just in terms of the the deep passing. 
um, the, the 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 stark difference, and uh, and this is kind of the, you know why they've looked different. You know, last year Burrow was 33 of 80 on passes attempts of 20 yards or more. This is according to Pro Football Focus. Had about 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, and that was 12% of his attempts. This year, he's only completed 10 passes, 28 attempts, 388 yards, four touchdowns, 8.4% of his pass attempts, 20 yards or more. So you could see there what the difference is, right? They're not completing passes down the field. They're not even attempting. They've had to go away from it for long stretches because of the cover two. Um, obviously, Jamar Chase's injury didn't help with that because they finally started kind of getting rolling a little bit, um, and the Falcons kind of being a disaster helped. But just in terms of, you know, you talk about when Zach Taylor said we've had to win differently each week, that's why. They can't – That their bread and butter last year was going deep, and they had so much success with it, and they've had to change that up this year. And, you know, it's not a surprise in the sense that, like, teams obviously were planning for it, but the surprise, I think, is that they've just – haven't been able to go back to it at all, that they've kind of abandoned it and said, well, we're just going to have to win differently instead of trying to figure out a puzzle way to kind of open things up deep. They've just said, we'll take what the defenses can give you. And I think the difference in the numbers, you know, I'd be really surprised if they hit 80 passing attempts of 20 yards or more uh, this season. So I'm going to kind of turn the switch a little bit and say what's really surprised me is the offensive line has not lived up to standards this yeah, year. I know – Mike, you were critical of Jonah Williams. I'm just as critical, if not more critical. I mean, you have him. He's been on the rise, and he should stay on that trajectory. And then you pay $20 million to get Ted Karras and Alex Kappa and Lyle Collins. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, they have not done well against elite pass rushers. The games where they did well were not against elite pass rushers. I mean... Even Brian Burns, who was like the only good player the Panthers had on defense, even he got to Burrow. Uh, I know there was one offsides play where it was negated, and then a few plays there he gets to him. So even Brian Burns had a little bit of a day on that offensive line. I mean, it might be harsh, but like that's what you pay that money for. That's what you, you, you bankroll that cash for is to be able to stop the Miles Garretts and the Micah Parsons and the TJ Watts. And I get it. Like those guys are hard. Like the, even those rushers are paid what they're paid for a reason. I understand that. Like, Miles Garrett could very well be Hall of Fame talent for all we know, but still, I mean, the expectation was that you can stop anyone any given day of the week, and they just, for the most part, have not done that. And I think the bye week is a good time to assess that and see where they can improve, but yes, I don't know. I, 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 I don't qualify it as a surprise because I'm not as surprised because they didn't rep together in the preseason. Yeah. It's a group that has all new fa- four new faces with one returning starter. I, I felt that the growing pains were going to yeah. be there. I guess now I think it'll be a surprise if this they don't play better the second half. That, right. yeah. At the end I, of the I, season, I, you know, this is the same. Then I think you could say you you haven't spent well and um, uh, you know this what this didn't work as as well as you'd hoped. But right now. I mean, look, I mean, and, and you know, I think Lou Anarama was asked this yesterday uh, about scoring being down. And I mean, and, and, you know, you chalk it up when you don't practice and you don't have preseason and, yeah. you know, you can't do anything. I mean, I think it's going to take times for teams to hit their yeah, stride. And this offensive line, I think, has magnified that just because they didn't, you know, Collins didn't play at all, I think, in the preseason. So then he did they didn't not. have, um, you know, they just didn't play together. And then, you know, he wasn't practicing in September. So. I think it's tough to sort of ask them to be great right away. And, I mean, if they play like they did uh, against Carolina, you know, going forward here in the next couple of weeks, this group can maybe kind of erase, I think, that that um, that narrative. What's well, if they do that. So I think that, that would make more sense in the second half. But I don't know. Just I had high expectations on them. So for me, I was a little bit shocked. But 
Anyhow, I wanna, this is, this is going to be uh, fun. Um, I want to circumvent and go to a fun question. What is Joe Burrow's best fit in a pregame this year? There's, what, nine games. What would you say is the best fit he's had, if you guys could think of that? I think it's the Jamar Chase jersey. Yeah, he had to I, ask, yeah. had to ask Jamar to bring it, and then he had to take it down off the wall. Uh, it involved some planning and some and help from a teammate, uh, the level of difficulty, and then the surprise of it. I thought that was, uh, was pretty cool. And it was just a neat uh, moment for them. Uh, I, I thought that was cool uh, in terms of um, you know his, his outfit selection. Yeah, I was going to say that like, I, I think it was the It coolest. set the bar high. It set the bar high. It, it really was, did. Because it it, it's not just it's, – it was more than just like – Hey, look, Joe Burrow wore a cool coat into the game. Like, yeah, it, it meant something. Or a so floral I, jacket. Yeah, that's or dressed a, up as Vecna. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, imagine, I agree. Wouldn't it have been fun if on a Halloween he dressed up, had somebody do the makeup and do the same thing, and him and Miles Garrett were both like, how, how awkward that have been? We wore the that same thing. That would have been so well, awkward. One of us has to change. <laughs> that, that would be awkward but funny. But yeah, I mean the the Jamar Chase national title jersey. I mean. So we have a unanimous. Yeah, no, that, that that's an easy, an easy one. one. That, that's a good one. Uh, but now I want to kind of get back to sort of the positions and say, what is the best position group on offense so far through nine games? I struggled with this one because uh, I, I, I think it's a sign of why the Bengals have struggled. Sure. Uh, uh, to be consistent, that there's no been no group, you know, quarterback I don't think counts, right? Um, I, I don't think there's been a group that's distinguished itself week to week, and that's kind of been the problem. I, I, I think if you were to – Maybe the receivers, when fully healthy, were the best, you know, group that they had. Um, but they haven't had that group together very much. You know, you talk about T. Higgins being injured uh, for a couple weeks throughout the beginning of the season. Jamar Chase down right now. You know, Tyler Boyd, Boyd has been the only one there week to week. Um, but maybe that's it. Because, like you said, the running backs haven't, you know, uh, Mixon's been up and down. The offensive line's been up and down. And I think they all have. But I, I, re- receivers with an asterisk that, that when they're fully healthy, which I think they've only gotten – three games maybe out of them this year when they have been that way yeah i also said the receivers um because the uh, as it stands now um tyler boyd just barely makes the cut but they're on pace to uh have three thousand yard receivers assuming jamar chase comes back i did the math on this it was like if he comes back by the the chiefs game so like if that's his first game back and he keeps his pass yeah or he keeps his pace so then um They'll have 3,000 yard receivers. That's only happened five times in NFL history. Uh, the 1980 Chargers, the 1989 Redskins, the 1995 Falcons, the 2004 Colts, and the 2008 Cardinals. Um, so if you have three receivers with 1,000 yards, that's a pretty rare company. Now, I know that speaks pretty well to the um, – And they haven't had a game this year, too, with the same yeah. team. And I, I know that's, that speaks, that's a lot of help. I know that speaks pretty well to the um, – uh, to the quarterback, but you know, for me, it's um, they're it's, making plays though, and, and I, it's just I don't feel great about it because I felt like sometimes they've disappeared this season. Um, you know, particularly that that Cowboys game. Um, you know, against Cleveland, obviously without Jamar, they they didn't play very well. Um, but I mean, I think it's what we got, right? Receivers. Yeah, receivers. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I mean, on all, almost like you kind of have to. I mean, even though, yeah, there's been the issue with Jamar being hurt and him being clouded a lot beginning of the season. I mean, like I said 
I was shocked by the offensive line. The running game really hasn't gotten going, due in part to that and with some issues that Mixon has had. But, I mean, if you really look at it, that's just the group that's done the best among them. So, yeah, and especially like you mentioned with Jamar, if he comes back when he's healthy and he's on pace for that season, you know, just like he did last year as a rookie where he had unbelievable, unreal numbers, I think that's something to look at. But finally, to wrap this up, save the best for last, nine games. Who is our offensive okay, MVP? But okay, we're gonna we're not gonna talk about this in a traditional sense. What is the argument for anyone other than Joe Burrow? So you're saying yours is Joe? Burrow. Mine's Joe Burrow. Is yours Joe Burrow? I mean, I don't know yet. Is your, are yes, you mine's Joe Burrow. Your pick? No, not even gonna even no, try. No, is is yours Joe Burrow? I'll be. Not, I'll let's see what Muhammad. Muhammad, what is yes, yours? Maybe. Joe Burrow. Actually. Don't pick something you know, different. No. Okay, uh, you, you are kind of bullying everybody. Okay, no, 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 let me say this. Kind of a, Andrew, I'm just going to say, kind of Andrew, there's no, a, a there's toxic no, podcast but, in your yeah, <laughs> but there's no, but the, it's, so if it's Joe Burrow, but how close? So listen, my, listen, my, listen. The question to me isn't if it's Joe Burrow. The question to me is how close is Joe Burrow to second? Okay, Joe. That's not the, So the question to me is not who is the MVP. It's how close is Joe Burrow to second? Andrew, let me rephrase what I was going to say. I'm saying if you were to make me pick someone who is not Joe Burrow, I would actually say Ted Karras. I would say Ted Karras because as as much as we've talked about this offensive line, he really seems like he's done his part. He's the demeanor hound, as we talked about. He's the veteran leader on that line. I mean that's that's a good presence to have. So, like no, I think the I think second is Jamar Chase. Second is Jamar Chase, and I think I think Jamar Chase could make a case if the offense looks more like they did against Cleveland for the next three weeks. I think Jamar, yeah, then Jamar could take you. it because without without you know <laughs> he makes everything against change. functional NFL defenses. So, the Bengals uh, have not played. Well. You know, I I think. He could make a case like if this offense falls on its face the next three weeks, and because they I don't agree, have him, right. um, you might have to change it. But yeah, it's Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, the numbers Burrow. are pretty. Can you? So he's top five in attempts, completions, completion percentage, yards, Le- touchdowns, leads in yards, quarterback rating. Uh, can you say? Can you? So he's set, he's two quarterbacks have a completion percentage of seventy percent or better. Can you say uh, Burrow's second? Do you know who first? Is? Who's first? All time? No, this season. In completion this percentage? Is, this, is, this is this season, yes. Complete. Geno Smith. Yeah, you, know, you knew. Did you ah, cheat? No, I, I, I did. No, I, I knew. Did you have it up no. there? No. That was my the, guess, too. The thing about Shut up. <laughs> yeah, it was. I swear. Thing, I, 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 I swear to God. You can't say it the thing about you, no, I swear. That's what I was going to say. In my head was I was just like, Mahomes. It's got to be somebody surprising. It's got to be somebody I, surprising. I, and I second tipped, off, it's got to tipped my hand. You did. Damn it's it. it's got to be surprising, but it's also got to be somebody who doesn't really air it out. Like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are not going to have completion percentage above like. 70% or whatever. Right. Just because they, they do a lot of crazy stuff. But I will say, when you when you look at the numbers, we were talking about it at the MVP discussion the other day in general, the NFL, if Josh Allen is hurt, that's Burrow could sneak into that discussion because mm-hmm. the numbers are good enough. I mean, we'll see what happens in the second Well, yeah, half. since the Steelers game, he's completed 71.43% of his passes, and he has 16 touchdowns. And the and six interceptions, he had four were in one game. Yeah, he so has he's only two interceptions, two interceptions in the last in, in, yeah. uh, eight games. Yeah. We both kind of were trying to figure out how many games there were. Yeah, we can't do math. The math was bad. but And he's got 22 touchdowns total, four rushing. So, I mean, the numbers are there to be in that discussion, especially, you know, Allen uh, it would be a high bar to climb just because of the success Buffalo was having. But, um, and Mahomes is obviously Mahomes. But, um, and Geno Smith, I mean, completing 73% of his passes, who knows? 
That's Andrew's pick for Talk about toxic, man. I, I was going to say Geno Smith. I swear yeah, I was reading we about like, it. Like, I was gonna, like, there's no point in beating around the bush and saying, here's why I think Joe Burrow is the MVP. I, the I, I wanted to beat around the bush. I don't like it. <laughs> no, I just, it, 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 it didn't make sense to me because, again, it's the obvious answer. It's the correct answer. And, yeah, I needed, I just, I was curious who your runner-up was and how close said runner-up was. Look, maybe from a leadership standpoint, I was thinking of Karras. But even at his position, like, you got to give him credit. He's done well. And You're on doing a, a lot of waffling. On a position on group that has not <laughs> done great. You're doing a lot of waffling Look, here. The Bob. line overall hasn't been great, but I'm not going to, like, pick on him and say it's because so of this like a, So now you're just giving Ted, a, like, a, like, throwing him a bone after you, like, called him out and said that they were terrible. You're just like, well, now he's the second MVP. This is very... Hard I said follow. the line as How a whole. How bad do you think the other four have been? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, yeah, the other four haven't been as So, great. basically, Muhammad saying that Jonah Williams, Cordell Holson, Alex Kapp, and Leo worse than suck. Worse than Andrews, Trey Henderson. Relative to him? Yeah. Sure. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to say. <laughs> okay, we got to Anyways, thanks for joining in to this special edition of the Strict Stripes podcast. We're going to have our defense awards tomorrow. We're going to have even more fun with that. So, make sure you tune in. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great day.